All right, hold on one second. I got to pee and then I'll be G2G and you can start doing what you need to on that and I'll be right in. Yeah, that sounds good. Pause for me. I am switching things. Just a moment. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm going to write this down. In the city, city of Compton, California, knows how to party. In the city, city of Nathan, California, knows how to party. Please, 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 please tell me that you have been recording all of this. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And it is Austin P Week. Today we're going to talk about Austin P. Let's talk about who they are, where they're from, what we think about coming into this game, and look at some numbers. Maybe less numbers right now, because let me tell you, FCS, not a lot of great numbers. Nathan, you are so nonchalant about opening week. I'm very excited about opening week. You decided to put your stats hat on and not feel anything with your good, cuddly Nathan Lawrence heart. No, I mean, look, here's the thing. I It's a marathon, and it's currently, as we record this, it is Monday afternoon, about 6.45 on the 27th. So, you know, by the time we get to Thursday, I'll be chomping at the bit. I have a, I have a, I think the reason that my big cuddly heart is not engaged yet is that I have a lot of like very sort of technical, statistical, and also tactical questions about this team. I don't mm-hmm. have a very good feel for this UGA team. And I don't know how much we're going to be able to learn about this team's talent ability, but I think we'll learn a lot of things about what Kirby Smart thinks about this team. And that's mm-hmm. sort of what I'm more interested in seeing. Also, I just want to note that I've been asked to talk less quickly on this podcast (laughs) you talk very fast yeah so i'm gonna try it's very difficult i talk so fast that i actually when i when i listen to podcasts i listen to them at 1.7 speed uh or 1.8 yeah that may lend to this whole you talking too fast thing i'm trying to talk as fast as i think that podcast should be at (laughs) 1.0 speed Leave it to the folks. Yeah, the, the people can turn it. Turn okay, it so let, let's talk about the subjective narratives going into Austin P. So we always start out, for those of you who are new, um, we, start in, go, we start out talking about subjective narratives. So sort of the point of this is we want to always start at the, the feel place, right? Like everybody has sort of a different feel for a game. There's always stuff percolating. There's um, what was one of our not for nothings? Uh, oh, uh, it was grown man. You say freak of nature. No, nah, scuttlebutt. Yeah, yeah. Scuttlebutt. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then also zeitgeist. And I think non-zero zeitgeist. is another one. We're gonna try to get all this in. Do we um, really say non-zero? That's not. I, that's not you said. I think I say non-zero. I don't okay. think you say non-zero. Anyway, so um, yeah. So what? There, you know, there's always kind of scuttlebutt going into the game, <laughs> and there it is. Well, I mean, it, it's true. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we we want to sort of address the. Um, sort of general uh, casual fan slash national uh, fan 
questions and then we want to kind of like go deeper and deeper into it and finally arrive at what our thinking is about the game and sort of the context of the game in general yeah we kind of tell like a you know a point of reference is like you tell a joke and then you keep on telling more and more like tiny aspects of that joke until less people are laughing in the audience until it's just like you and the other person you're telling the joke to are laughing and that's basically what we're about to do the aristocats aristocrats (laughs) exactly if you're aristocrats if you haven't seen the... It's the uh, Aristostats. That's yeah. what it is. Ah, the Aristostats. Ah, oh, my God. If you haven't seen the movie, the Aristostats, um, let's see. <laughs> how can I say this? Go see it unless you go to church, in which case, definitely go, go see it. You should totally go see it. It's very good. I but, mean, I yeah. go to church and I've seen it, but it's so, it'll, t- <laughs> it'll turn your hair white. Okay, so l- let's start with some subjective narr- narratives. And I'm not really basing these on what... I think I'm basing these on like sort of what the questions are going to be from the non-UGA fan or sort of just the casual sidewalk UGA fan. So I think the number one thing is going to be Justin effing fields. Yeah, everyone's um, talking you know, about it. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of excitement about like your SEC champion UGA football team, which like obviously I'm super jacked about that. Yeah. But I mean, I think that sort of the in the micro of the game, uh, what Justin Fields does, what he looks like, how many snaps he gets, uh, does he run? All of that is going to be sort of, I think that's going to be something that juices the crowd. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of these, I think, in a lot of these games, like, you don't see a lot. Um, and there's really not a lot of, I don't know, there's not a lot for the crowd to look for other than people like us who are degenerates who are, like, seeing who the <laughs> sixth, seeing who the, like, sixth and seventh wide receiver by snap count is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that'll be something, because, you know, we only have three we only have three quarterbacks really now that we seem to feel comfortable with. We've got yeah. Justin Fields, Jake Fromm, and then a walk-on who is apparently pretty good. Yeah, um, I don't remember his name at this moment, but I mentioned him in a, uh, our first episode, but I think I may have deleted it. Hopefully he doesn't have to play, but he will probably play during this game. So the question, I, I think what's going to keep people in their seats through the third and fourth quarter as it cools off is going to be, what does Justin Field look like, et cetera. The thing that I am personally most sort of interested in, there are two or three things that I'm interested in, but the two that I think are sort of in the big big picture when you listen to like national college football podcasts, et cetera, are what does the middle linebacking race look like? You know, I think they they might say like who replaces Roquan Smith? And of course no one can because you know what what words can solder a cracked heart? You know what I mean? <laughs> what 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 middle linebacker can replace the shape of a man, you know, the, the deep void of emptiness. They say that sadness is like, has its own gravity and sadness just pulls in more sadness. And, you know, Roquan Smith, the, the, the place that he's left in our hearts is like that. It's, um, I, I feel like if I, I, I've been working all year on a piate of me as the Virgin Mary <laughs> and Roquan Smith as the gone and done gone to the draft Jesus. And, <laughs> And I miss him so much. Anyway, um, but I am I'm interested to hear what the middle linebacker, you know, what's the rotation look like? It sounds like there are four or five people, yeah, four or five yeah. players. You've got Jawan Taylor, mm-hmm. Monty Rice, Tay Crowder, uh, Natras Patrick, and yeah. uh, Channing Tindall is like the, the freshman that's been mentioned. And so it's going to be interesting to see what that rotation looks like. Yeah. Also going to be kind of interesting to see if Natras Patrick or D'Angelo Gibbs play because there's kind of been some talk about like, well, we're going to handle discipline internally and you'll know when you see them play or not. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Anything else subjective narrative wise? Um, I'm sure. I mean, talking on Justin Fields, I know that we're probably going to see that whole situation where people are going to be so excited when he finally plays. He'll be in maybe the end of the second or, you know, sometime in the third quarter. We'll be up a good bit and he'll hand the ball off a couple times. He might, you know, throw a... 10 12 yard pass get a first down and then 
I want to say not too long ago, there was like something that happened similar to this situation where there, and I think it was like Bryce Ramsey. Who was the, was that the QB that we ended up putting in during the Alabama game? And he just kind of crapped the bed after. Oh yeah. He threw like two interceptions on two consecutive throws. Yeah. And then nobody talked about him ever again because everybody just kept talking about this is the answer. Mm -hmm. This is what we got to do. Yeah. Something like that. So that's not going to happen is what I'm trying to say, but we'll see some Justin Fields play, but I hope that it doesn't get to a point where people are. People see him play just this once, you know, this weekend, and then they're so jacked about it every time anything bad happens that they just keep calling for him because that's not the answer. That's not how that's not what we do. That's all. I yeah, want to say I mean, about I mean, I, I think you're right. I'm also I'm also interested in what the running back packing order looks like. I think, you know, DeAndre yeah, yeah, Swift, the yeah. Andrew Swift. What the hell, man? <laughs> DeAndre God. Swift. You gentrified our team names. I, <laughs> it's like DeAndre Swift. Running I don't know behind. how that happened. Running behind yeah. Lawrence Gary at center, and <laughs> well, Ben Cleveland's a pretty gentrified effing name. Anyway, um, yeah. I think DeAndre Swift will be, you know, obviously he's going to get the first snaps. I think, um, yeah. But I think you know, I actually think uh, Holyfield has a chance to get more snaps than DeAndre Swift, and that'll be interesting to see how that works up, and also seeing how Harrion and Cook sort of ease into the game and who seems to be getting the carries because it's hard to give carries to all four so let's talk about uh we got the subjective narratives let's take a deep dive into austin p i actually have like a shocking number of things to say about austin p i figured you would having lived in tin ic uh i did live in tennessee clarksville is not super close to where i was Mm -hmm. uh, in knoxville yeah so clarksville is in the northwest of tennessee yeah it's basically past nashville but I, I've known people from there. But anyway, so uh, it's in Clarksville, Tennessee. It's in the extreme northwest. Uh, Austin P was actually the 35th governor of Tennessee, uh, which I imagine means that he sucked because he was a politician <laughs> in Tennessee, and most of politicians from Tennessee suck. Uh, having labored under two, uh, you know, secretaries of education in Tennessee, I uh, I can say that firsthand. Their mascot is the governors, who, as you said, kind of looks like a Colonel Sanders. He looks like if Colonel Samber- Colonel Sanders had a baby with the monopoly man or i feel like he looks a lot like if there were like a focus group for kfc and they were like what are millennials like and they're like sharp edges and bright colors and that's kind of what they applied to colonel sanders yeah 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 they they but you know i would like to point out that even though sort of this is the david and goliath matchup here is certainly that like we are goliath and they are david but they they definitely their mascot they represent the bourgeoisie for sure Mm -hmm. we are we are the humble cur covered in red (laughs) are going to seize the means of production from these dudes. You know, just redistribute all the points to our side. I don't think that's what redistribution means, but whatever. Uh, I'll yeah, so take it. The mascots, the governors, their coach, Will Haley. Uh, he is a GT grad. He's the son and grandson of GT players. Um, he is the second youngest coach in CFB at 33. Um, he had a very good last year last year. He's kind of a hot name in the FCS ranks right now. We'll get into the record last year, but suffice to say that a very surprisingly good year last year. TS Tech, he's uh, he's from Georgia, I think, and there's Tech on one side of his family. Um, on the other side, his mother went to Georgia, and his cousin, Drew, was a fraternity brother of Kirby Smart's. And, like, the fact that Kirby Smart was in a fraternity at UGA is just the least shocking thing in the world. Can I just yeah. say that? Like, you have to be in a fraternity to justify having a haircut that bad. <laughs> like, you have to have money or be in a fraternity to get the sort of, like... Uh, you know how like i was a kirby smart's haircut is the equivalent of like you know when you go to a really nice restaurant and there's like two rich people there wearing like tank tops and they just don't care because they're rich mm-hmm. that's what kirby smart's haircut is it just oh, yeah. says it says no i don't care about my haircut thank you anyway so 
De- definitely, um, Justin, you have a note here about how they're not going into, you know, shock the world. Nobody thinks they're going to win. I think he wants to have fun. He wants to show NFL scouts. He's got a couple of good players. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, you got a good quote from here. You want to throw this on here? Yeah, Will Healy is talking about he's super excited to just be in this situation. It's not an opportunity that comes by very often to have, you know, the next game for a national championship contender is to play Austin P. And so he's just super pumped. He's not coming into this game and, and spewing false narratives for his players. He really cares about them, and he, he wants to make sure that they're going into this with the right mindset, that they're not expecting to win necessarily, but he wants this to be a great opportunity for them to show their skill sets, you know, 3.30 on ESPN. And yeah, what he ended up saying was, we don't get many opportunities like this. And he said, you're talking about 3.30 on ESPN on the opening weekend of the season, uh, one of the best venues and most intense fan bases in college football. You're talking about a team that has national championship aspirations. It's the perfect storm, really. So he's really counting on, you know, just getting some TV time for all of his players. Because when scouts look back at the end of the year on the season some of these juniors and seniors have had, they're not going to look, you know, at the the middle of the season, end of the season. They're going to look at this game first. Okay, so let's talk about the team. Um, they were 8-4 last year, second in the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, which was won by Jacksonville State, my least favorite FCS team. I hate Jacksonville State. Anyway, uh, they're <laughs> this year in the preseason FCS. They either lost closest. Uh, they played a couple of Division One teams last year and lost, I would say, like relatively close games, like by 20 points instead of like by 40. Um, they lost close to Cincinnati last year. They blew the hell out of a couple of teams. They they beat Moorhead State last year 69-13. to 13. Dang. They, they lost to Miami of Ohio to a MAC team. They also lost to uh, Jack State uh, and... Cincinnati. But other than that, they had a very good year. They went eight and four. The most relevant thing about that is that uh, coming into the year, they were on a 29 game losing streak. That is really 29. Yep. They had a very good year last year, especially for their sort of like historic doormat status. Like Austin P in the past has been sort of like a doormat even in FCS. And yeah, they, I mean, they played very well. They're 25th in the preseason. I mean, this is, I mean, look, we, we should win this game. And that's going to be our prediction that they're going to win this game handily. But this is not an incompetently to- coached team. Uh, this is a team that has good coaching and will, you know, go out there and try to do something. Uh, so I think, you know, that's only really relevant if you're bet- trying to bet the over, which, or bet like, you know, uh, the cover on the spread, which I think is at 40 points the last time I checked. So that's a stupid bet anyway. Um, but I, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna give us a lot of yards on you know dumb turnovers or stuff like that or dumb dumb penalties. But we're just gonna probably beat the crap out of them anyway. Um, so yeah, that's fine. Um, let's see, defense. They were fiftieth on both offense and defense in FCS last year. That's two total offense and defense. It's a little bit of a flawed statistic, but whatever. The their best players probably uh, they have a D lineman named Jason Williams who's very good. They have a uh, a linebacker named Gunnar Shalato which is um, he was also an extra on Rogue One, the Star Wars movie. Um, (laughs) I want to say that's a joke I made beforehand. Yeah, no, I stole that. Um, Those are Star Wars names. They have a returning quarterback. Jeremiah Oatesfall was the OVC freshman of the year last year. So, I mean, look, they're not – we're going to win this game, but this is not going to be like – we we have played some FCS games and some even Division One low Division One games where the teams were just incompetent. I think we played UMass a few years ago where it was just like, how is this team fielding a team? Yeah, I think this is gonna be more like when we would play App State before yeah. App State was in Division One. Like last year, App State was in Division One and they were actually like a decent team. 
five or six years ago, we play App State, and they were like a very well coached team, but they just didn't have the talent we did. So it was like, yeah, yeah we'd, we'd beat the crap out of them, but it wasn't like um, an embarrassment for them to be on the field with us, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's about all I got on Austin P. I I think you know they're gonna they run the ball. Uh, so if you're wondering about they run the crap out of the ball. So if you're wondering about like you know. Uh, what does the defensive line look like? How do the middle linebackers do run fits? Like that'll be an interesting thing to see. I don't know how much they're really going to test our secondary though. Um, yeah, they have a sophomore quarterback who only scored, I think, eleven touchdowns last year. Seven yeah, of those so, of the year. Yeah, they're definitely not. Um, I don't think they're quite sort of like a uh, Georgia Tech level of running team, but they like to run the ball. Um, yeah. So let's talk about what we want to see in this game. So this is really, I think sort of this right this segment um is going to be sort of the meat of this episode because you know this is a game that we should win handily mm-hmm. um so let's just talk about what we want to get out of the game so okay yeah i got two or three things uh number one thing we have 14 wide receivers wide receivers on scholarship um 18 if you count walk-ons we have to take we can only take 70 to away sec games which would be usc next week so i'm interested to see what nine or ten are we going to take mm-hmm. so um i want to know who our top six are i want to know what positions where they generally are playing on the field are we putting terry godwin out wide opposite riley ridley are we playing jason stanley out wide instead are we playing d rob inside or outside are we moving him around what do the target numbers look like i want to see both raw stats and target numbers for our wide receivers so i can start to get a gauge of what that lineup looks like um just because there's such a crunch of both talent and numbers in that room i think it'll be interesting to see like what we do i mean i think sort of who we take sort of determines what kind of offense that we're going to have. Cause mm-hmm. we have some younger guys who can be sort of the jump ball Javon Wims um, specialist that might be like fringe takes like in the ninth and a uh, ninth and 10th. But then we have some older guys who maybe are a little bit shorter who um, like uh, Simmons, Tyler Simmons, who would be more like your sort of like uh, a bigger running backed version of uh, Terry Godwin. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. And then just also to see, I mean, everyone, I think obviously it's the shiny new object syndrome, but everybody I think is rightfully interested to see what D-Rob does. How does D-Rob look? Um, What is his, you know, where is he playing? Is he playing in the slot? Is he playing outside? Is he getting moved around? That kind of business. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, The second thing I'm interested in is what does our first six look like at O-line? Uh, at, to this point, it seems like that the sort of composite first team O-line in terms of just taking all the permutation of what's been out there during media practice periods is going to be, for sure we know from left to right, Andrew Thomas, skip one, Lamont Galliard at center, Ben Cleveland at right guard, Isaiah Wilson at right tackle. So we don't know who the left guard is going to be. Uh, Kendall Baker has been running first team there a lot, but it also looks like that they want to be his the like super sixth man, who's like the guy who plays that the six plays the like first guy in um, at every position. And you know, at some points, uh, Solomon Kindley has been looks like the one who's been taking most of the second team snaps there. So I'm just interested to see who do, who's the starting five in the offense, uh, the offensive line, and. What are they, you know, are we rotating a lot? Are we playing just that five to try to get co- uh, cohesion? Because I think how much we rotate in the offensive line will kind of give us a good idea of how many questions do we have about it? How many questions does Sam Pittman have about the offensive line? What does he want to see from them? How well do they look? Not necessarily in terms of overpowering their men because they're probably going to, but in terms of protections and shifts and calls, do we see any just dumb sacks given up? Let's see. And then finally, I want to see what our D-line rotation looks like. I'm pretty certain that like we're going to see Julian Rochester, Tyler Clark, and um, 
some combination of a third guy on the D-line, and I just want to see what that looks like. Do we see G.A. Hayes out there? Do we see uh, Jonathan Ledbetter starting, or is he going to play out, uh, or is he going to play outside linebacker? So those are sort of the three things I'm looking for. What are you looking at? One of the biggest things for me to see this season is what the special teams look like and who's where, who's doing what. I know Rodrigo Blankenship is, of course, still kicking our field goals, but we do still have a, a, a couple more very capable kickers on the team. And uh, Jake Camarda, and we have another grad transfer in. His name is William Stratton, which I have not heard anything about, uh, but I think he's trying he's, to... Uh, uh, he's an Ivy League. He is. He's trying to emulate that whole Cameron Nislick situation. So, mm-hmm. uh, But really, Jake Camarda had a, a bunch of separation this preseason and you know in summer practices and whatnot. I know that he's going to be the one that punts, and so I want to see what he looks like. Is he as accurate as Cameron Nislick? Is he as powerful as Cameron Nislick? Most likely, no yet, just because Cameron mm-hmm. Nislick was a graduate senior and he had four years uh, under his belt already. But I know that um, Jake Camarda's got a lot of raw talent coming in. I also want to see who is receiving punts on our special teams. Uh, it was uh-huh. looking like Zimmer White until he um, conked out a second knee. And so I'm excited to see which of our tailbacks will most likely be receiving. It could be one of those nine or ten wide receivers that you were mentioning, but I haven't actually seen anything about who might that be. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, we had a lot of explosiveness on our special teams last year, and we had a lot of really great field position due to the Cameron Nislik being as accurate as he was and knowing exactly where to put it when he needed to put it. So we'll see what happens there. My other thing, last week I was talking about Isaiah Wilson, Kendall Baker, and uh, Solomon Kinley, all these fellas reason I bring this up is because I want to see where Kendall Baker finally slots into. A lot of people are saying he's going to be the left guard um, to Ben Cleveland's right guard, but I want to see where he ends up going just because Kendall Baker is the, the one of the experience. Um, he's played a lot of different positions. He's kind of the guy that's like, what's left over? Let's put Kendall Baker there. So, And I'm excited to see where he ends up going just because that means we're going to get to see a number of other fantastic players being slotted into positions that we might not have seen them in otherwise. So... Everything you said about the wide receivers, I'm super excited for. I'm not just trying to say things that are different than what you said, because honestly, I think at this point, the the two things that are, are most exciting to watch are going to be the um, the defensive backs rotation, what's going on back there, and then who is going to play and where with the wide receiving core. But uh, let's lead into over-unders, Nathan. And we'll also say, for those of you that may be new, the last portion of the show, we go through our over-unders, which naturally usually leads into predictions for the game. Um, And that's true predictions based on stats. We've already talked about this game. And usually those over-unders will lead really well into that. So we'll just kind of show you what it looks like, I guess, by just going right into it. So yeah, so uh, here's my first one is over-under... 25 Jake passes Jake from passes thrown. That's 25. just 25 attempts. So yeah, 25 attempts from Jake. Um, from. I'm going to say under, I think 25 is a bunch. I think under, I think it might be more like 15 or yeah. 20, but I could see them. I think they're going to air it out. I just think it's going to be sort of stretched out a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Than, I definitely you know. think they, they're going to take some risks in this game and kind of uh, fiddle with the playbook a bit and put Jake Fromm out there and try to get all his jitters out from last year. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I don't think 25, 25 seems like a whole bunch. So uh, with quarterbacks in mind over under Justin Fields, 15 or more snaps. Hmm. I'm going to go over. How much more yeah. over? I think we're going to probably see 20. I think 20? we'll see 20 and 20. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, I, I'd probably say over as well. I say somewhere between 20 and 25 because I think he'll probably play. Like, I remember last year with Jake from and Jake. No, not even last year because Jake, Jacob Eason was out the very first game and the very first play. <laughs> 
but I was going to say, I feel like in recent memory, I remember a game where we had one full quarter of maybe Aaron Murray and the second quarter of Jacob Eason, and then the third and fourth were, you know, more third and fourth strings. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see more of Justin Fields, but we might not see our uh, mysterious walk-on quarterback that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I don't really... I, I mean, I think we'll see the walk-ons like in the fourth quarter, but I do think that it'll be a little bit more, um, I don't know. I think it'll be less like, <laughs> less like, okay, immediately the walk-ons come in in the third. So just because I yeah, think that yeah. we have more to work out. Okay. Uh, over under eight different wide receivers targeted. It seems like a lot, but um, that's not that far-fetched. I think it's going to be pretty close, but I still think it'll be under. I think it might be six or seven. Yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that, that's it. I think it's going to be six or seven. I mean, even in the, the, the best games last year, we were uh, throwing out six or seven wide receivers. So I'm going to say over because I think they intentionally are going to try to figure out who... Yeah. Or to figure out who he wants. Um, Cortez Hankton wants out there in that rotation. I would say eight, probably on the dime. Maybe... I, I don't think nine is that ridiculous, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about... What's your next one? Um, our favorite advanced stat havoc plays so i've got havoc plays down here havoc play is defined as a play where there were it well the havoc plays the number of havoc plays determined is by how many tackles for loss uh sacks and interceptions those are all um considered havoc plays so i think that we're going to have uh over under excuse me over under six plus havoc plays do you think we're going to be risky enough for six or more i think over just because i think yeah. we're gonna have three or four sacks um yeah. and i think that'll do it that i think we'll get to i'll get we'll probably get to the overs just on sacks and tackles for losses but just because we we outman them i'm gonna say more than six as well because i'm pretty sure we'll probably see at least one interception early in the game and then there will be a number of tackles for loss uh in addition to sacks most likely yeah um i say nine nine did you say nine you said nine yeah didn't you? i could see nine pretty easily no nine seems good no no sweat i could see nine um i'm gonna last say over under one rushing touchdown for jake field or jake fields (laughs) justin fields they've become one yeah that would that'd be such a good quarterback uh no over under one rushing touchdown for justin fields i'll i'll push that one you're gonna say push i'll say yeah i'd say i'd give him at least one rushing touchdown and it doesn't come from it either comes from being on the goal line and him running it in or it comes from potentially something uh you know later in the game we have um new players on the offensive line figuring things out and he has to clean up real quick and probably runs in while he's already in the red zone but i don't think it's going to be naturally a rushing play unless it's on the goal line um i'm gonna actually say over just because i think that their defense is going to be slower than we think and that basically they're going to have I think it'll be easy for him to run to get a, to get two on a busted play. I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. run him much intentionally, but I do think that he might just scramble out, and he's fast enough that he could very very easily get two on a busted play, very easily. Yeah. Um, okay, I have one that's a little bit weird. We've been talking really, we've been talking mostly about being overbearing and you know having your your foot on the throat, so to speak. And so my last one is over under um, three field goals, and that comes from playing a more conservative game than we think is going to happen i'm gonna say under under i i I just i don't know that it's gonna be i i mean i i really don't know how much it's um 
how much we're going to see out of the kickers. I, I, yeah. I just don't think they're going to stop as much. You know, I, yeah. I think, I think we'll go under, but I think we might get two, three in the fourth quarter where we just choose okay. to kick the field goal. Yeah, that might be true. Depending on how high we get. I've never seen a Georgia team, you know, every once in a while in the beginning of the season, uh, you see some teams that beat these FCS teams like 60 or 70 to three or seven. Uh, or something. I doubt that's going to happen, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. I've never seen a UGA team do that is what I was saying, but, um, I can't imagine that'll be the case, but uh, I'll also say under. I think we'll maybe see one or two. One early in the the game, playing conservatively, but we might squeak a second one in in the end of the game. Okay, yeah. No, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. All right, so that gives us our over-unders. Um, hey, we got a new segment. How about that? Exciting. Hey. Exciting, exciting, exciting. So today we're going to do our, <laughs> first, our first initial um, hashtag AskCBC um ask chapel bell curb curb segment we got a few of these i want to go through uh just a few of them and talk about sort of what uh each question we get from a reviewer so if you're interested in asking us a question or knowing what we think about a subject whether it is about football or something else just hit us up on twitter at ask cbc or hashtag cbc ask cbc hashtag ask cbc and we'll respond to it now so um do you want to read the first one sure so our very first hashtag AskCBC for the segment comes from Ed Bablowski. He says, all right, goobers, uh, how many touchdowns are Holyfield and Swift going to combine for this year? Follow up who finishes more yards. Um, okay. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? Sure, I can go. I imagine their stats will be fairly similar, but I definitely think so. I'm not going to give how many touchdowns specifically, but we can kind of figure that out on our own as we kind of talk through this. But I think that Holyfield will see more yards because he's going to see more playtime. I think Swift will have more touchdowns by the end of the year. And that's because Swift's going to come in and um, come in in those, uh, you know, after timeouts, he's going to come in when he's fresh. He's going to come in in the red zone, so on and so forth. Holyfield's going to take more damage and he's going to be the one, he's going to be the, the more brute force and Swift's going to be there to kind of, you know, be the, the fancy one, so to speak. Blah, 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 blah. I got you. What do you think? Um, I'm going to say 25 total touchdowns, 15 for, uh, Swift, 10 for, um, 10 for Holyfield. And I think Swift ends up with more yards and has a very high, like, you know, yards per carry. Um, I could Mm -hmm. see probably Swift in the 900s, Holyfield in the 700s. That would be what I would probably lean towards. So I also think that, I think Swift is super, super fast. I also think that, he has the. I actually think he has the stamina to be a day in and day out back. But I just think mm-hmm. that he can get the ball in his hands so many different ways. And he's a he's a very good receiver. He's very fast. He moves well. He hasn't had any injury problems in in college at this point. So a little bit of something in spring practice last year, but nothing too big. All right, cool. Uh, second from Vinegar Barbecue Dog. Vinegar Barbecue is good. I gotta agree. It is. Yeah, it's my preferred barbecue. North Carolina barbecue. I, I, you know what I actually like is North Carolina mustard. So I was going to say the same thing. It's a rare one, but it's very good. All it's right, will good. James Cook play Swift role from 2015 by running jet sweeps and being responsible for third down? Yes and no is my answer to this. I think James Cook will play Swift's role from 2017, but I do not think he will run jet sweeps because I think McCole Hardman and Terry Godwin are better better suited for Jeff sweeps. However, mm-hmm. I think that James Cook will run a lot of quick slants. He'll run a lot of uh, wheel routes. He'll run a lot of like in and outs or digs. He'll run a lot of the like sort of um, inside wheel. I think they'll line him up on the line like they did with Swift last year, um, like where Swift is at like the H-back position and comes across the formation. I don't see him doing a lot of jet sweeps just because 
that's sort of the bread and butter for McCall Hardman, Demetrius Robinson, and Terry Godwin. Because I, so I feel like that they're going to get those touches. But I do feel like he will sort of do what James James Cook will do what Swift did last year, where he just comes in and pops off an 85-yard touchdown, and you're like, oh, okay, that's a freshman. I, I do I do <laughs> think that will happen. Um, our next one comes from Et Lake City Girl. She says, who pays the salaries of employees of Et CBC Canada? Who's had enough of the whitewashing of hashtag Trudeau of his crown corporation? Who's covering for who? Okay, so I have a serious answer for this. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> okay. there are obviously advantages and disadvantages to a, a government-funded uh, sort of state news channel. I would say that if you look at sort of NPR and the BBC and the CBC as the model for what a good state-funded news channel looks like, that it is possible to run journalism uh, with federal funds, given that you have a strong firewall between the C, uh, between the government and you know the fifth estate as it's called but i also think that the cbc being owned in partially independently by the crown corporation means that it is it is receptive to more corruption than would otherwise be but i also think that this this question sort of is uh, a reactionary question to justin trudeau's popularity who you know certainly while he is only slightly left of center um is a very good prime minister in many in many ways but i think that when you have a popular prime minister or presidential figure that it's very easy and in fact i mean even i think necessary to the health of a, of a state to uh sort of needlessly criticize or nitpick at that person's at that person's sort of legacy uh we saw this with obama uh with drone warfare and sort of like his the the his the attacks that he received from the left on things like social justice drone warfare and racial relations dang you heard it here first folks nathan lawrence is not a one-trick pony oh yeah i he's got a brain underneath all that beauty i actually spend probably more time listening to political podcasts than i do listening to sports podcasts and that's a lot hey i got one more question for you from uga nihilist yeah yeah i'm ready why does life lack meaning Okay, I actually have an answer for this too. So I think that, um, <laughs> you know, I would say that the that the beauty of a life, uh, Kierkegaard and the the Christian existentialists would tell us that actually the beauty of life is that it does lack meaning. That we are I, we are able to create our own gods. We are able to create the things that mean something for us. I would say to J Nihilus that the beauty of college football um, is that it has it is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. You know, uh, it doesn't mean anything. It is sort of arbitrary, and certainly it has negative things about it. But we find beauty in it because it's a collective activity that we all take part of. And I think that there's something really truly spiritual about. Um, the, the sort of congregation of souls that we that we make every Saturday for 12 Saturdays a year and that it, it helps us feel sort of a connection to both the community and to sort of the larger body of humanity in a way that sort of our, our very digitalized world often does not allow us to. So I would say that life lacking meaning is actually like a good thing. So I'm going to play some like beautiful music underneath that as you speak through that you know in post most likely okay okay good <laughs> good um uh, we did have a few more come in while we were actually recording oh did we any exciting new red coat tunes and that one's for you because you know the playbook for the red coats yeah okay so i i i kind of like hedged on this on twitter yeah there are some new exciting red coat tunes but it's always just a i don't want to say anything because who knows when when yep. or if we'll play them but yes there are some and i think they're pretty good and I, can you say what the halftime show is yeah, yeah, those are public. So um, okay. the first halftime show is going to be West, which is um, going to be like all about the West end zone. So it'll be like the Westworld theme and the West Wing theme and how the West was won and then a song from West Side Story. It's very thematic and it's going to be <laughs> very focused on the fact that the West end zone was renovated and that's changing a lot of what the band does because in some ways the pregame is going to be flipped, obviously, because they'll be running out of the other side. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. be doing a Sinatra show 
and obviously we'll do like the military appreciation show that we do every year which is also very super important and i have to admit i don't remember the other two i think the other two are kind of in we we have those two and have played them in front of the public so i feel comfortable saying those two so last thing is predictions yeah let's talk about about predictions okay um i think we cover the 40 pretty easily 45 to 3 I think we get up 28, 35, somewhere in the first half. Um, I think that they will offer some resistance, but I think they'll have a hard time scoring on us. And I think eventually our depth will just wear them down. We might only be above up 28 at halftime, but I would not. I don't think this is going to be a game that we ever have to worry about. But I also do think that this is a well-run team. So, you know, they might put the fear of God of us. I mean, I could see where they would get the they'd get the opening kickoff and they run down and score an opening field goal. I can definitely see that and kind of putting the fear of God of us into us at the, in the first half, but um, at least for, you know, a drive, but I, I, I think this is, we're going to cover the 40 here. And the only reason I think that is because we're going to, I think we're going to throw a lot because we have to decide who our wide receivers are this year. And I'm not sure that we totally know, given that Terry Godwin is partially injured. So I, I feel, I feel very deeply that it will be, you know, we will just have to throw the ball a lot to see who is who. And that that is going to lead to more touchdowns. Did you say, what did you say the spread was? Uh, 40 points right now. That's okay. what I've been seeing is 40 and a half. There aren't a lot of published spreads for this because there aren't for these kinds of games. I was looking at Vegas, uh, Vegas spread because I couldn't find it anywhere else. Vegas has the predicted score at 48 and a half to zero. Yeah, I kind of threw that three in there just because I feel like it's possible that they just tack yeah. one. I think it's possible against like the third string that they tack one on. I mean, don't yeah, you, does, can't you see that like... We've we've got the like we've got the scout team in and they get to the forty and kick a long field goal. I mean, you know, even an FCS team can have a very good field goal kick, kicker. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's that's definitely possible, uh, especially since we're not going to go out of our way to block a field goal when the game is up that much and you know risk an injury of some sort. With that forty-eight and a half to zero spread that I, I saw, there's a couple different spreads that I'm finding here online now, but they're all kind of teetering right around that forty-ish uh, spot. I do think we covered the 40. Um, I think that's easily, easily done for this team. I foresee us getting up to 52. Um, and that does come from what Nathan was saying about all of the wide receivers in this game. We're trying to move the ball around. I think if we're going to move it around between nine or 10 wide receivers, um, then we're definitely going to score a number of touchdowns in the wide receiving core and then tack on a couple on the ground as well um, at the very least. So I'm looking at, 52 to 6. Let's say 52 6. All right, yeah. I think that's a good that's a that's a good score. I like that a lot. That's a good score. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's a good predict- prediction. This has been Chapel Belcard. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve. You can also email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. If you have a question for us that you'd like us to read and respond to in probably an overly philosophical and analyzed way, you can hit us up on Twitter at the hashtag, hashtag AskCBC. We'll also be taking all of your Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, questions <laughs> through the remainder of the season. You can also check out our website, chapelbellcurve.com. It has an embedded player. You can listen to it right on your computer. Um, it'll be a hub for all our content. We are going to be re- we're going to be writing, doing episodes, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please leave us a rating, especially on iTunes. I hate to beg for this kind of thing, but it is pretty important. And yeah, we want to spread the good word. 
And the good word is, you know, numbers are cool. Um, numbers are cool. Yeah. And also, additionally, we have a Patreon at Chapel Bell Curve. Uh, has not been active. I had, I, I would like, I, I hate to admit that we need to put more extra content on there, and we are working on that, uh, Justin. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we have a really cool thing, though, coming um, that will be starting this weekend. And you and I, once we get off this phone call, we're going to be talking about that, which yeah. is fun. Awesome. All right. So. We will catch you in the Classic City on Saturday. If you see me, I will be wearing a black UGA red coat band staff jersey or jersey. What am I saying? Polo. And I will have on an awesome red UGA visor. If you see me and you see a tall guy who looks like that, just say Nathan. And I'll probably um, say I'll probably see you and then we'll take a picture together and I'll put it on the Instagram. I was going to say you won't say anything. You're, You're so in the zone. No, I know. A guy found me during the Rose Bowl, like 10 minutes uh-huh. after the Rose Bowl win, and he got my attention. So it's possible because that was my most locked in. Anyway. Was, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will right. catch you in the Classic City in five days. Five um, days. Five beautiful days. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs.